Father, we thank you. For you are faithful. And you called us into the fellowship of our dear son. We thank you, Father, that we passed and crossed from death to life. And we are delivered from the kingdom of darkness. This was your doing. You haven't chosen us in Christ before the foundations of the world that we should be holy and without blame before you in love. We ask that you flood our hearts with the revelation knowledge of your son Jesus and you fill us with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that we walk worthy of you unto all pleasing and we will bear fruits unto you. We bless you Father that we decrease and you increase in us and that Christ will be magnified in our mortal bodies. We thank you Father. We bless you for the tutelage of your word. We bless you in Jesus name. Amen. What a glory. Please be seated in heavenly places. We love your presence. What a glory. So quickly we want to continue with our series on detecting and dealing with spiritual dryness. I believe this subject is so crucial to the church and to believers in the body in the times that we are living in detecting and dealing with spiritual dryness every christian by now should be able to come to the place where he's spiritually intelligent enough to be able to detect when he's getting dry or he's running out of spiritual vitality or nourishment then quickly deal with it to come back to his nourishment in christ because the extent to which you will go in your christian life is dependent on how rich you are in God. The extent to which you progress in your spiritual walk with God is dependent on your depth in God. It's dependent on your relationship with Jesus. This is why we keep stressing on the fact that every believer needs to have his personal relationship with Jesus. This is not for pastors. No. So many a times we've been deceived to think that anytime you read your Bible for a certain time, you are trying to act spiritual, you're trying to behave like a pastor. This is wrong. The pastor is to read his Bible just as the believer is to read his Bible. It's the duty of every believer to develop himself. And there are many Christians out there who are dry. There are many pastors there who are functioning from the place of an empty tank. And one dangerous thing that can happen to a man in Christ is to function in the body while dry. We are supposed to function from the place of fullness. We are to function from the place of fullness and there's a way to arrive in this place and that's what i want to teach you today so please don't be distracted by anything because your spiritual life depends on this teaching detecting and dealing with spiritual dryness now last week we we we, we, uh, we dealt with the foundation 
of the ignorance of the church. I don't want to go into that because I have a lot to share with you. So quickly, I want to go into spiritual dryness straight away. I want to define that. Then we, 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 we talk about it today. So now, the first thing I need us to deal with today is what spiritual dryness is. You need to understand it. So someone who asked me, what is spiritual dryness? What does it mean if a Christian becomes spiritually dry? Now, I'm not talking to an unbeliever here. Because an unbeliever is not, he's not dry, he's dead. So this is not the work of an unbeliever. An unbeliever is spiritually dead. But it's only a believer that can be spiritually dry. And at what point does the believer become dry? What is dryness? That's what we're looking at today. Are you ready for this? So we quickly want to see the meaning of spiritual dryness. So you can write this down. What is spiritual dryness? That's the question. Because that's the subject we are doing. We are, we are dealing with. Now spiritual dryness is the lack of spiritual fruitfulness. I'm going to give you a lot of notes today because I want you to understand this thing. I don't want to rush this work. It's the lack of spiritual fruitfulness and prosperity in one's spiritual life. It is the lack of spiritual fruitfulness and prosperity in one's spiritual life. In 10 John 2, the Bible says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. In other words, you are not permitted to, to prosper physically above your spiritual life. If your soul's prosperity is less of quality than your physical prosperity you will soon dry out it's just a matter of time you are not permitted to prosper above your spiritual life or above your spiritual prosperity it's very important very important that is how come we have people who were raised into some ranks of society and all of a sudden they lost touch with God it's because they don't understand this thing they missed it here so we said it is the lack of spiritual fruitfulness and prosperity in one's spiritual life. As you are listening to this teaching, you've got to start to measure your spiritual life as it stands now. And begin to make adjustment to it. Now, let's take a second definition. It is a form of spiritual crisis. Spiritual dryness is a form of spiritual crisis where the soul is denied the requisite nutrient. It is a form of spiritual crisis where the soul is denied the requisite nutrients, atmosphere, and attention, thereby becoming desolate. I can repeat that a hundred times. If, that, if that, this is what you're going to get, I can do that for you. Let me say that again. It is a form of spiritual crisis when a soul is denied the requisite nutrients, atmosphere, and attention thereby becoming desolate. 
as you're getting to know this, begin to measure your life. Begin to see what is going on in your life. Next definition. Spiritual dryness is the deficient and sick state of a man or woman. It is the deficient and sick state of the man or woman who refuses to grow spiritually. Very simple. It is the deficient or sick state of the man or woman who refuses to grow in Christ Jesus. If you refuse to grow, you, you will fall into the state of spiritual sickness. Praise God. Next. Spiritual dryness is the state of feeling depleted or empty spiritually. It is the state of feeling depleted or empty spiritually. Please follow this teaching because it will, it will change your life forever. It is a state of feeling depleted or empty spiritually. And you see, spiritual dryness is so terrible that it does not only affect your soul, it affects your emotions. It affects your thoughts. It affects your spiritual life. It affects your psychological pattern and how you relate with God. It affects every aspect of your life when it goes unchecked. Praise God. Are we following this thing? Now, we need to understand this. Having understood the meaning of spiritual dryness, we need to understand that at a point in time, we all experience spiritual dryness. So don't think that spiritual dryness is only for carnal believers or believers who don't even read their Bible. You can be reading your Bible and praying yet you can still experience spiritual dryness. At a point, we all go through it. I've gone through it before. So don't see me as a superman. There have been times I've been inconsistent with my prayer life. Inconsistent with my, with my word life. There have been times where I was almost swayed or swayed by Netflix. You know, many preachers won't tell you that. At a point in time, we all go through it. We all go through it. But how you deal with that dryness will determine how you come out of it. And there are many causes of spiritual dryness. I can give you a few. Some, some, some may be caused by pain. Pain can cause you to be spiritually dry. You just don't care about your spiritual life again. Pain. A pain caused by any circumstance can cause you to be dry. The loss of a dear one there's something you can lose someone dear in your life and all of a sudden everything about your spirituality is, is just dead and gone stress I'm helping you to detect why you are going through what you are going through stress can cause it sinful habits can also cause it sinful habits can also cause spiritual dryness disappointments 
Maybe you have been looking for a job. The final one that seemed positive. All of a sudden, two days before you went to work, they told you, Sir, don't come again, okay? That alone, that frustration alone can just make you forget that you have a spiritual life. And also sickness. There are Christians who fell sick and it affected their spiritual life. And they, they, they were never able to recover. How? Because they didn't know how to recover. Please, am I helping you? So, you see, even Elijah experienced spiritual dryness. This is a man who called fire from heaven to consume a sacrifice. Killed 400 false prophets. This is a man of power. Yet, Jezebel threatened him that, hey, I'll finish you. I will cut off your head. And Elijah, in fear, ran away for his life. And he wanted to die. A spiritual man of that stature said, God, kill me. Take my life. You know, Elijah, you, know, you can deduce what caused that dryness. He thought he was the only one around. He thought he was the only prophet. He says, all the prophets have, have deserted you. I'm the only one left. So the guy was stressed. And now he began to give up. Listen, it doesn't matter your spiritual level. Spiritual dryness is no fear of man. So you may think you have been consistent with prayer for the past five years. You got to watch out and guard it jealously. Because spiritual dryness, irrespective of your level of spiritual stature, you can, you can run dry. So there are many pastors who have deceived themselves to think that because they've done the work of ministry for a long time, so automatically, um, the work they are doing is already approved and is flowing from fullness. That's the deception many ministers also go through. Song ministers also have that experience. Instrumentalists have the experience. Church workers have the experience because they, they tend to think by experience because they've done it all over again. I mean, it, it, there's nothing wrong. Everything is fine. It's a deception. Especially in the area of ministry. There are many pastors who are trying. They don't know. It doesn't care your spiritual level. Are you following this? Even David got to a place he ran spiritually dry. I can show you that. In Psalm 13, the verse 1. Watch. He says, how long would I forget me? This is somebody who walked with God. Now he's asking God, how, will, how long will you forget him? Oh Lord, forever? How long would I hide thy face from me? Now he was beginning to feel God was distant from him. Look at the next verse. He says, how long shall I take counsel in my soul? Having sorrow in my heart daily. How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? This was David's place of dryness. This happened when he slept with Bathsheba and killed Uzzah. Praise God. And like I told you, spiritual dryness can be caused by sinful habit. Praise God. Am I helping you? So you see, when spiritual dryness is left undetected and unattended to, it can be very catastrophic. You need to note that down. If you leave it unattended, it can cause great, great harm. It has destroyed many pastors. 
Because there are many pastors, church workers who have gotten overwhelmed because they thought they were okay. And today we have pastors who have denounced Jesus. You know, before someone says, I don't believe in Jesus again, I'm telling you one of the major causes is dryness. That's where you get to. When you hear someone says that, this Jesus thing, I don't want to do anything about it. I don't want to. Do you know how to detect it? It's dryness. It, 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 it begins in the process. Nobody comes and says, I don't believe in Christ again. Or I'm fed up with this church thing. Nobody gets there by, I mean, just in the twinkle of an eye. No, no, no. It begins with dryness. And that dryness is not attended for a period of time. Then it begins to hatch into depression. It begins to hatch into spiritual and mental stress. It begins to it, it begins to enter into areas that differs in everybody's life. Because we all experience spiritual dryness from different levels. Are you following this thing? There was a time Mary and Martha were visited by Jesus. And Martha was busy cooking. Whilst Mary was busy sitting at the feet of Jesus and drawing from him. A time came, Martha saw Mary seated. And she was getting straight. If you are serving Jesus, serve him. What has Mary got to do with it? Serve Jesus. But she was, she, was, she began to get stressed that she is working and Mary is not. You know, when you are, you are getting dry, you begin to think of others, not you. He says, bid her to also come and join me to work. I'm the only one working. You know what Jesus said? He says, matter, matter. You worry about so many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen it and it shall never depart away from her. Listen, Jesus wants you to draw more for him rather than working for him. You can only work for him after you have drawn from him. Never forget this thing I'm sharing with you. There are many believers who are working for him without drawing from him. If it's the Lord's work you will do, you have to draw from the Lord in order to have enough strength to work for the Lord. So there are many believers who are working for God from the place of dryness. Never be more busier than your spiritual health and wealth. You got to put that down. Never be more busier than your spiritual health and wealth. A believer can be so overwhelmed with work and busy schedules to the point where he begins to forget the real value of time with God. You can be so overwhelmed with busy schedules and it can bring you to a place where you, you begin to forget the real value of time with God. And the man said this, the more busier Jesus was, the more he prayed. You know, many think that the more busy I am with work, the more I need to focus on work to be able to finish work. That's the lie. Because even with the work you are doing for government or for an individual, without spiritual strength, you will lose strength. 
is the strength we draw from the Lord that enables us to do every other thing in this life, including serving God. It is the strength we draw from Him. So you find a believer saying, I'm busy at the moment. When I make time, then I'll be able to make time for God. That's a lie. It's a big lie. In fact, this is the cause of your dryness. Actually, you are supposed to first make time to draw from your maker. Then you can be able to serve anyone, including God. Serving your boss becomes more fruitful after ministering to the Lord and receiving from him. Listen, as a student, you enjoy lectures after you have enjoyed God. As a worker, you enjoy working after you have enjoyed God. Try it and see. See what happens to you when you spend just one hour with the Lord in reading your Bible and praying. See what happens to you in the rest of the day. Something happens to you. Something. I can't explain, but something happens to you. A great man of God called D.L. Moody, one of the greatest preachers in the 18th century, he had so much emphasis on being filled with the Spirit constantly. He taught mostly about spiritual dryness, how believers should be constantly filled with the Spirit in their daily work with God. So one day he was interviewed and they asked him, why is your emphasis so much on constantly being filled with the Spirit power? You know what he said? He said, because I leak. what an answer why are you always emphasizing on being filled with the spirit constantly he says because I leak are you understanding this thing he says because I leak in other words every single day that dose of the word you had inside you is leaking so you got to refill it every single time that answer changed me he said because I leak you, uh, you are leaking every single day the radio is causing you to leak. The TV is causing you to leak. Wrong information is causing you to leak. Stress is causing you to leak. So there are many things of this world that causes the believer to leak. So he must constantly be filled. Tell somebody sitting beside because I leak. Turn to the next person and say because I leak. Hallelujah. So we now understand why Charles Finney, anytime Charles Finney realizes that his something is happening to his spiritual life, all of a sudden he doesn't sense some experiences, he will quickly go into a three days fast. You know, many believers don't have that spiritual intelligence. A.W. Toza, the same. Anytime they realize they are depleting, they'll go into a fast. They'll go into a retreat. Some of you, you use your leave for sleeping. Some of you use your student vacation for... <laughs> yeah. You, you use that one-man vacation to finish a one-man season movie. What a harm. 
So you have opened <laughs> more leakages. Hallelujah. Now you wonder why the early church was filled with so much power and glory. These were not spirit beings. Though. They were human beings. These guys were nourished men. Look at Peter's boldness. They told him not to preach again. He says, choose between us whether we should, we should serve God or serve you. He says, judge between us. He, he looked at a, a whole council and told them that. Where did they get that boldness from? Where did they get that boldness, that boldness from? One of their secrets is in Acts chapter 2, the verse 42. You will see one of their secrets. The Bible says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That means they were in-depth in the word. And in fellowship. And in breaking of bread. And in prayers. That was their secret of nourishment. It was the secret of their power. One time they were beaten and they were told never to preach the gospel. And they went about rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for Jesus. How? These are men who were nourished by the spirit. When they were threatened, they went into prayer. In Acts chapter 4, the verse 29, you're going to see something there. They went into prayer to pray when they were threatened. And the Bible says, they said, now Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word look at the next verse and the bible said the verse 30 by stretching forth thy hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus and the bible says and when they had prayed listen this wouldn't have happened if they didn't pray he says when they had prayed what are you doing about that depression he says when they had prayed their place was shaking you know many Christians when they go through something they expect God to know and do something about it that's how come they get disappointed God doesn't work that way now many people ask the question if God knows all things and we are his children why should we ask him first before he does it I'll come there God is a good God he loves me he knows my needs. In fact, he knows what I, I'm, I'm going to ask him before I ask him. Why do it? Why? I'll take you soon. And when they are prayed, the place was shaking where they were assembled together. And the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Look at their secret of their boldness. And they spake the word of God with boldness. So what are the secrets of their boldness? Prayer! You know, you see why you are timid? You see why you are timid? You don't pray. Look at the next verse. Look what happened to them. And the multitude of them that believe were of one heart. If you want the church to be knitted in one heart, let them pray. And of one soul, neither said any of them that out of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. I'll give you an example. I've been using this minister Sam's car for the past two weeks. Because he has come to understand that his car is not now for him. When the need arises, it will be for me too. <laughs> you didn't get this thing. 
both they had all things in common. So if you need a scar, go for it. <laughs> now, this is very practical. Look at the next verse. He says, and, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And look, look, all this is happening after prayer. And what was upon them? Great grace. You want to walk in great grace? Pray. This was their secret. Stephen, he was a pantry boy. You know pantry boy? He, he was a, he, those days, Dickens, today Dickens were clerical. Those days, Dickens were sharing food. And he was called by the council of elders because he was preaching. And they questioned him. Go and read Acts 7. He preached the whole Bible. A chef. He preached. No, please go and read Acts chapter 7. You see what you see what it means to be constantly filled with the Spirit. He preached the entire Bible from Genesis to Malachi. He preached it. In fact, it's one of the longest chapters in the New Testament. He preached the whole Bible. And at the point when he was preaching, they look at his face, they saw his face as turned into an angel. His face had turned into an angel whilst he was speaking the word. What does your face look like at this moment? Why should your boss be insulting you every single day? There is something you're not doing right. So there is no glory on your face. No glory. Your glory is your belly. <laughs> Full of pork. Hallelujah. So the early church did not look like people who were dry. They didn't. Great grace was upon them. Let me give you another term for spiritual dryness. It's also called spiritual sickness. There are many Christians who are sick. Number two, it's also called weakness in spiritual life. Weakness in spiritual life. Three, it's called coldness and lukewarmness in spirituality. Coldness and lukewarmness in spirituality. Four or five, I don't know which one. Powerlessness in spirituality. Or a life devoid of God's power. <laughs> You know, when we talk of God's power, many people are confused. They think of God's power as blowing air on people and the people fall down. That's one aspect of the manifestation of the power of the Holy Ghost. They think it's just laying hands on the sick and all of a sudden they recover. That's how come many Christians don't want to come to that place because they have confused the entire definition of what power is. I'll show you. Look at Colossians chapter 1. Let's read from the verse 9. Paul's prayer. See? Another aspect of God's power that you are going to see today. You are going to learn it today. Look. He says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Next verse. He says, That ye might walk worthy 
of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now look at the next verse. Look. Strengthen with what? All might according to his glorious power unto when you have patience, it's God's power at work in you. <laughs> Strengthen with all might. Look, look at the word he used. All might. According to his glorious power. I thought it's about to shake the mountains unto all patience. <laughs> look. And long suffering. With what? Joyfulness. Anytime you are having joy in the midst of challenges, it's power at work. <laughs> it's power at work. So you always need you always need daily power. Daily power unto all long suffering, patience with joyfulness. Am I teaching good here? Yes, sir. So spiritual dryness is a life devoid of God's power. It's a spiritual malfunctioning. It's, it's a spiritual attack of a virus hitting your spiritual operating system. So anytime you are spiritually dry, you have a virus in your spiritual system. But the good news is that I have the antivirus for you. We need to understand that the Christian life is not difficult without God's spirit and power. It's actually impossible. The only victorious life we have is the victorious life with power or the power of the spirit. So there are many Christians who are trying to live their Christian life without the power of the Holy Ghost. And they will struggle, of course. They will struggle. Hallelujah. Because Jesus said, without me, ye can do nothing. Without me, ye can do nothing. Hallelujah. Now we need to understand that spiritual nourishment flows out of an intimate relationship with God. Spiritual nourishment flows out of an intimate relationship with God. You will never be spiritually nourished without intimacy with Jesus. Now let me help you out with this. Are you ready for this? Now, spiritual dryness is not a problem in itself. Spiritual dryness is not a problem in itself. In fact, the awareness of our spiritual dryness is a gift from God. Please follow this teaching. Spiritual dryness is not a problem in itself. And in fact, the awareness of our spiritual dryness is a gift from God. God designed it that way. It is his invitation 
to come and partake of his life and spirit. Anytime you begin to sense dryness in your spiritual life, it is God's way of warning you of your depletion or your spiritual plight. I'll give you an example. Do you know the body system has a way of giving us symptoms to tell us that we need medical attention? For example, if you have malaria, dizziness is not malaria. Are you following this thing? Feverishness is not malaria. Stress is not malaria. Vomiting is not malaria because there are other diseases that makes you vomit. In fact, even pregnancy makes you vomit. Are you seeing that? But it is the body's way of letting you know that you are not fine. In the same way, God has designed us by giving us certain spiritual symptoms to make us detect that we are not okay. It is God's gift to us. He uses that to draw our attention. So, you see, the spiritual dryness we experience is not a problem in itself. It is when we, we fail to give attention to that problem, that is where it becomes an issue. So, cancer does not just come as cancer. It first begins with slight pains. It begins also with some slight bleedings. All these things are telling you that listen, 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 listen. Give attention. Go to a medical doctor and let him review you. Let him do some scan. So there are people who have all these symptoms, but they feel they are men. Or they feel that they need more time because they are busy. So I've seen people who had symptoms of cancer and because of work, they were busy. They were too busy to go for checkup. Before you realize, the thing grew. At the time, they realized it has spread. And it gets to a place where they have to amputate you. Listen, are you, are you waiting to get to a place where it's too late to do something about your spiritual sickness? Please don't get there. Don't get there. It's too dangerous. Hallelujah. So when does spiritual dryness become a problem? Spiritual dryness becomes a problem. Number one, if we do not notice that we are becoming dry. It becomes a problem if we do not notice that we are becoming dry. That's why I said every believer needs the intelligence to know when you are becoming dry. You cannot be ignorant. There are some of you, you know that everybody has different symptoms of malaria. I mean, those days when I was having malaria, I'm saying those days because I, I hardly get malaria. Those days when I was having malaria, it begins with running stomach. I don't have those feverish, feverishness and all that. So the moment the running stomach becomes a lot, then I know that malaria is coming. There are some of you, you begin to itch. So everybody has an inbuilt system that helps with symptoms to make you notice. So why won't you take notice about your spiritual life when you begin to have those warnings and signals? Please be intelligent enough to discern 
So we said number one, when they do not notice that they are becoming dry. Number two, spiritual dryness becomes a problem if we do not recognize that God is the answer to our need. Becomes a problem when we do not recognize that God is the answer to our need. Many are trying to look for answers at the wrong places. It first begins with God. So when you, you begin to ignore God in every situation that is causing you to become dry, you, you are going to be in trouble. Number three, spiritual dryness becomes a problem if we become too exhausted or busy to connect to God. Spiritual dryness becomes a problem if we become too exhausted or too busy to connect to God. Listen, as for busy schedules, we will all be busy till Jesus comes. Let that rest at the back of your mind. If you are a student and you, you, you think you are busy and then you, you'll be fine after school, remember you are about working. And as you are working, remember you are about getting married. And as you are getting married, remember you have children. Are you seeing that there is no time? There's no space? There's no space for you. There's no space for you. So that line that makes it when I'm free, there's nothing like free. There's no free time. We make time. Are you following this thing? There is nothing like free time. Someone says, this semester, the load, the workload, the workload is overwhelming. Listen, the more the workload, never ignore your time with God. Remember, that is the place where you draw your strength. No, please don't forget this. That is the place where you draw your strength. That is your headquarters for replenishment. Why would Jesus be praying every single time? Why didn't Jesus say, I am the son of God? In fact, he came from the bosom of the father. Yet he went to the father to pray to the father. And God himself, the Bible says, a great while before day, he went to pray. Jesus even prayed before he chose his 12 disciples. Why didn't Jesus use word of knowledge? Peter, Simon, is that your name? He said, yes. Clap your hands for Jesus. Come. He could have done that by word of knowledge. Yet he prayed to choose them. So when God found himself as a man, he prayed, you. Are you, are you thinking about this? Even the child laughing, they're shocked. <laughs> Number four. Spiritual dryness becomes a problem if we do not, if we keep ignoring God's attempt in signaling us to align, refuel and refresh. Spiritual dryness becomes a problem if we keep ignoring God's attempt 
in signaling us to align, refuel, and refresh. Many of you have ignored God's signals several times. There are sometimes you will have a dream of someone chasing you in a dream. It will happen the next day. It will happen the next two days. And you, you are confused. I don't know why people are chasing me in my dream. This is, this is something that God is allowing to let you know. If you are being chased, that means something is subduing you. So it's an indication that you are getting spiritually dry. You know, last week after I preached, one uh, came to my office and said, Papa, last week I had a dream that there was a man who was chasing me. I said, wow, so, uh, <laughs> you are dry. I said, Papa, it's true, I'm dry. There are some of you, you just sense as though God is distant. Not that you don't know that God is inside you. You know it's inside you. But there's a certain system inside you that is making you feel you are distant. It, God used that to let you know that you are dry. There are some of your spiritual monitors are dreams. All of a sudden you have stopped dreaming and you are okay. Then you say, first no, now me so diapa. You see your head. <laughs> and you don't dream again and you are okay. You are okay. You are fine. You think God is upgrading you. <laughs> you think you are going to the next level. You are depleting. There are some of you, when you get close to people, you begin to just have a word of knowledge. You just, you just send something about them and you tell them, say it's true. All of a sudden, I, I take up. God is letting you know. Some of you, it, it could be your spiritual sensitivity. It's gone. Everybody has a way that when he's depleting, he will know it. But many of you ignore it. You deliberately ignore it. I'm telling you. Because you think other things are more important than your spiritual life. That's the lie. If you are making more money than your spiritual health, you have a problem. I'm telling you. Because you prosper even as your soul prospers. Oh, it's working. It's working, I'm telling you. Listen, developing your spiritual life or setting your life on fire is work. The earlier you do, the better. It is what? It's work. I won't sugarcoat it. It's work. I mean, depressed for a long time. I don't know what is happening to me. It's work. I'm telling you, it's work. Tears won't, won't solve that problem. It's work. Are you following? It's a deliberate effort. So number one is work. Two is a deliberate effort. It's a holy resolve. No retreat, no surrender. I saw a verse in Revelation chapter 3, the verse 14. And I noticed that it is the state of many believers. 
in the church we have today. Because this letter was written to a church. Jesus was addressing a church. Look, it's the state of many believers we have in the church today. Look, he says, And unto the angel of the church, the word angel there is pastor actually, of the church of the Laodiceans. In fact, all the seven letters written to the seven churches are actually things that are happening to the modern day church today. So he says, Unto the angel of the church of Laodiceans, write, These things say at the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation, of, uh, beginning of the creation of God. Now look at the next verse, watch. I know thy works, that thou art neither what? Cold or hot. I would thou wet cold or hot. He says, Make a decision. Are you hot or you are cold? Look at the next verse. He says, so then, because thou art, so a Christian who is neither hot nor cold is lukewarm. That's the definition of dryness. He says, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Now, the word spew thee out of my mouth means you become irrelevant. You swallow things that are relevant. You throw out things that are irrelevant. So when you are spewed out of the mouth, you become irrelevant. So you see why many Christians are irrelevant in God's work? Now, the bomb is in the next verse. Watch it. He says, because thou seest. Look at the pride. You know, you see Christians who are proud. You don't see anything wrong with their spiritual state. They are so proud. At least, even if I'm not okay, I come to church. You, you are just proud. You are not humbling yourself to admit that you are not okay. At least if I'm not even reading my Bible or praying, my friends are Christians. <laughs> At least even if I'm not doing what spiritually, my father is a pastor. Oh, Look, he says, but thou says, I am rich. So these people on the outward say they are rich. Look, an increase with goods and have need of nothing. Look, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. This was their spiritual state. On the outside, they said we are rich. I have increased in goods and I have no need of nothing. And God was telling them their actual spiritual state. You may be saying, at least I have a car. I have a job that pays me thousand Ghana at the end of the month. So at least I have need of nothing. He says, but thou art wretched. Miserable. The problem was that they did not know. <laughs> and poor and blind and naked. This was their spiritual state. Many people in the church are here and they don't know that's the problem they don't know what is happening to their spiritual state look at the next verse he gave them the solution he says i counsel thee so he gave them counsel to what buy of me anytime you buy something you are paying a price buy of me what gold tried in fire that means for you to come out of your spiritual wretchedness, coldness, nakedness, and miserability, you got to pay the price. 
that thou mayest be what? Rich. This is spiritual riches. And white raiment. That thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. In other words, if you don't do anything about it, your shame will be evident to everybody very soon. Very soon it will appear. And anoint thy eyes with eyes of that thou mayest see. This is to heal your spiritual blindness. I'm teaching good here. In second, in first Timothy chapter four, the verse six, Paul told Timothy to do something. Now come to the verse seven. He says, "But refuse profane and old wise fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness." He's telling him to exercise himself unto godliness. Every believer must exercise himself to become godly. Now. Do people exercise for you? I wish. Then you come and pick up my hand to the gym. It would have been easy for us. You know, there was a man who was fat and he went for review. The doctor said, please try and spend some time at the treadmill. You know treadmill? That is thing that you, you stand on. He said, spend some time there. He went to buy food and laid the bed on the treadmill and slept there. Because the doctor said you spend time at the treadmill. Instead of climbing the thing and jogging, he went to spend time there. He was eating and sleeping there. <laughs> Many believers want us to exercise for them. Listen, there comes a time in your life where you cannot be spoon-fed again. When the realities of life battles you, you will know that at that time, your spirituality is what will save you. I'm telling you. Because I have a limit in intervening in issues in your life. Do you know that? I have a limit. I can't solve all your problems. There comes a time where all I've taught you should be enough to develop you to fight your own fight. And that, see, everybody will have an evil day in his life. Ephesians 6 he says, put on the, old, the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. There will be an evil day in everybody's life. And your spiritual capacity and nourishment is what will answer for you. Please, are you following this thing? First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. One of my favorite scriptures. Look. Look. He says, know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the price. So run that ye may obtain. So he, he uses athletics to explain how a Christian can be useful in his walk with God. And look at the next verse. He says, and every man that striveth for mastery is temperate in all, all things. Maybe he didn't get that. Let's read that in NLT version. Look, he says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. Next verse. He says, so I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. Next verse. 
He says, I discipline my body. I what? Discipline my body. You know, many Christians are waiting for God to do things in their lives. And Paul is saying, I discipline my body. Listen, if you allow this body to operate, it can do terrible things. Because the fall caused a certain mutation that gives strength to the flesh. And today, we have the Holy Ghost and a new creation spirit that enables us to subdue the passions of the flesh. If you don't deal with the flesh, it will deal with you. You can be a Christian yet be sleeping with prostitutes. You don't know that. No, you, this is a real issue I'm talking to you about. There are Christian males who sleep with prostitutes. They go to church. I'm telling you. And if you don't understand the power of the flesh, when it is not tamed, its passions can be terrible. I'm telling you. So he says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. So your body is not in charge. Be in charge of your body. That's like I tell people, we do everything to pray. And some of you, the, your eyes, your eyes just controls you just like that. You, you want to walk with God? Uh-uh, it will cost you something. So you wake up at dawn, then you shout, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak, then you sleep again. <laughs> oh Lord, thou know it and understand it. <laughs> we put things in, listen, it's a discipline. It says you train it to do what it should. You have to learn to master your body. It's a discipline. For example, if you are praying at home and then you feel sleepy, you have to turn off your fan. Remove everything that will make you comfortable. Remove it from the way. I turn off my AC in the house when I'm praying. Turn off the fan and I pray sweating because the sweat will keep me. Sometimes I have to use cold water. Eyes block. I put it on my eyes. <laughs> I have to crawl on my knees. If I remove my knees, you realize that my knees are now dark and black. Two days ago, I was praying on my knees whilst walking. Now, my, the first layer is peeling. <laughs> it's a price. But as I've always been saying, if you wash your face, it's not working. You crawl on your knees, it's not working. You turn off the fan, it's not working. You pour cold water on yourself, it's not working. Check your salvation. <laughs> There must be something wrong with you. <laughs> you know, but all these things is an indication that, Charlie, you see, once in a while, sleep may attack you. It's normal. But it becomes your daily bread. <laughs> There's something wrong with you. You realize, no, you, you realize you take your Bible to read, then the first five minutes, you are dozing. Then you close the Bible. But you can watch. 
Ila Dagwala Tage. You can watch Avengers for two hours. You don't sleep. It will avenge you. <laughs> so it's an indication that your spiritual capacity is low. You are on low battery. You are on low battery. That's how come you are not responding to spiritual things. We call for fasting. You have, you have, you, your face has changed. We, we call for laughing. Hey, hooray, look at you. Fasting and prayer. Oh, man of God. Man of God, give us some, some of us chance. Give us the time. Some of us, we are not there yet. But you are there to eat. <laughs> Love is there. You are there yet. Your spiritual capacity is low. So you, you, the thing, it becomes a bending. Spiritual things is like a bending. It's like we are worrying you. It's spiritual capacity. Tell somebody capacity. Look at Second Timothy chapter 2. Look at the verse 3. Look, he says, Therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So there is something called endurance. These are spiritual occupations we subscribe to, to in order to gain relevance in our work with God. So if you only conscious of, I'm a son of God, I'm a child of God, God loves me. <laughs> yes, you're a son of God. This is an eternal bliss. We thank God for your life. <laughs> but you have a spiritual, you're a soldier. We are having a spiritual warfare. The love of God does not fight the war for you. He says, put on the whole armor of God. Not that you rejoice in God's love. That you may be able to withstand the wiles of the devil. So there are people, the only revelation they know is the love of God. Me, because God loves me, even if I don't pray. Let's continue. Look, look at the next verse. He says, no man, no, give that to me in NLT. Look, look at what he's saying about your discipline. So you know that you have work to do. Look, he says, soldiers don't get tied up in affairs of civilian life. Civilian life. You are caught up with a lot of worldly activities. You miss church service because <laughs> you want to go and watch Chelsea finals. Civilian life, you have been caught up in civilian life. What if there was a soul that was supposed to be saved in front of the door? You know, some people don't like us to talk about these things because it's like a chuchu bizarre, you understand? But he said, I'm not an ice cream seller, I'm a preacher. So I, I can't entertain you, I have to tell you the truth. So you can back up, tell somebody, back up. You're on low battery, back up. He says he's not tied down to civilian affairs. Soldiers don't sleep barefooted. They sleep with their boots on because there can be a bomb at any time. And by the time you are going to wear your boots, you, you'll be bombed. They sleep with their bag on. And they sleep with only one ear. So the other ear is awake. Because if you're a soldier, you love sleep. <laughs> 
you will die in sleep. There was one soldier who was not too experienced in the system. He went to the bush. He didn't know that you're not supposed to sleep, sleep for long. Or you're supposed, there's a position you have to sleep. He slept like he was on bed. By the time he woke up, a serpent had beaten him. This is a Ghanaian soldier. He was sharing the experience of another Ghanaian soldier. He was beaten by a serpent. So many of you think that you are in the dining hall. You're actually in the bush. For then, they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. Let me tell you something. Do you know what keeps a soldier alive? His constant communication with the headquarters. That's like some soldiers are always having their Motorola. They're always checking. They're receiving order and giving update. So they give update. They're giving order. So they say, it looks like the enemy are on the other line. Then they say, okay, set a bomb now. You know, the... <laughs> I'm not a soldier, forgive me. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Rasala de Galalala. No, does I watch one? Um, uh, is this one? It's not Netflix. Right now, I want to uninstall it. The thing is worrying me. Let's continue. <laughs> Let's continue. <laughs> I watch, you know, these uh, army kind of movies and all that. And one time they went to do a mission. They went to do a mission. And when they went for the mission, they gave update that the time is up. They want to bomb the whole environment. So the chief commander should inform of the soldiers that they should leave there. Praise God. That's communication. Now, they were also caught up because the enemy was shooting them. Now they have to leave for the bomb to come. And the headquarters has given the directive, we are bombing in two minutes. <laughs> the enemy is shooting, we have to leave. So they quickly had to mobilize. Unfortunately, some of them could not leave. And the bomb finished their own people on the field. What I'm just trying to say here is to let you understand that you have to keep communication lines to be alive as a soldier of Christ. And how do you keep communication lines? Prayer. That's how you communicate with the headquarters to give updates and to receive instruction. So you see how many believers are bombed in life. So they become casualties of the war of the Lord. You know the problem? Many Christians don't know that we are in a war. They don't know that we are in a war. And they are living life. Suje, suje. Every day is entertainment. Every day is chilling. Every day is chilling. Every day is entertainment. Every day, I mean, bright and shine. Keep, keep shining. But one day, that bomb, it will hit you. I'm telling you. Look at the next verse. He, he uses soldier to describe the spiritual occupation of the believer. The next one. He says, if a man also striveth for mastery. No, give it to me in NLT. He says, an athlete cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. So there are rules. Look at the next verse. 
He says, and hard-working farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Look at the three spiritual occupations. Number one is what? Soldier. Number two, athlete. Number three. So if you read it carefully, you're going to realize that the soldier speaks of devotion to the master. Athlete speaks of discipline by following the rules. And farmer speaks of labor and hard work. In other words, in order to please God, you need the devotion of a soldier, the discipline of an athlete, and the hard work of a farmer. So it takes devotion to please God. It takes discipline to win God. And it takes hard work to harvest God. That's what I'm saying. We please God as soldiers. We win God as athletes. And we harvest God as farmers. So it takes devotion. It takes discipline. And it takes hard work. So lazy Christians cannot survive. I'm telling you. No wonder a lot of prophets are just chopping their money just like that. There are some things that happen in your life you don't need a prophet because I'm a prophet so I'm telling you if you knew how to deal with it by understanding this teaching there are some things you don't need a prophet you handle it yourself I have five minutes more am I helping? do you know that fishes live in the sea and they survive in water when you take a fish out of water Guess what happens? It dies. Do you know that the believer's life is in the spirit realm? The moment the believer begins to walk in the flesh, he gives the devil the advantage. That's how a lot of Christians are feeling because they, are, they have left their sphere of oppression. That's how come before the devil attacks you, he'll make sure you are walking in bitterness first. Because that's how he can enable you to walk in the flesh. Because the flesh is the battlefield of the devil. That's his place. So he will not want, want you to walk in the spirit. Listen, there's a difference between living in the spirit and walking in the spirit. Living in the spirit is your birthright. You were born in the spirit and born of the spirit. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, that you can give that to me so that you see that. He says, But we are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. So if the spirit of God is in you, you are in the spirit. But this is different from walking in the spirit. To live in the spirit is your spiritual habitat. To walk in your spirit is your oppression in that place. So it is your responsibility to walk in the spirit. It is God's responsibility to bring you in the spirit. That's how come you live in the spirit by faith in Christ Jesus. It's your position in Christ. But walking the spirit is work. That's what happens when you begin to develop yourself. I explained to you when I went for the 40 days fast at the time. I was in a washroom and then I saw a mosquito that was coming close to me. He was in my room so I tried clapping. I missed it. Clapping, I missed it. Clapping, I missed it. He was in my room so I kept clapping. Until the mosquito just went high to the sky. I jumped twice. I realized that the hunger. So I just came down and I said, you are free. 
I couldn't attack the mosquito again. Now, when that activity happened, God was explaining something to, something to me. The mosquito was functioning in my realm, so it was easy for me to clap and reach his, and reach him. Whether it's a female or male, I don't know. But the moment the mosquito went higher than I, I struggled because that is not where I function. I am limited by the law of gravity. So it is with a spiritual walk with God and a battle. The spirit realm is the realm when the believer gets there, the devil finds it difficult to attack because there's a law that governs that environment. When he gets there, it's impossible for the devil to attack. So when you're on this realm, when you are dry, it's like you condescend into the place where he's easily able to embrace you. So the Bible says the devil roars. He says he, he goes to and fro like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Who are those he divorced? Those who come to his realm, the flesh. The flesh. Unforgiveness, flesh. Anger, flesh. Bitterness, flesh. Depression, flesh. Worry and anxiety, flesh. Prayerlessness, flesh. Wordlessness, flesh. So it's easy. Do you know the Bible says studying the word was the custom of Jesus? When the devil came, Jesus said, It is written. You don't know what is written. How do you fight? So if you don't function in that realm there, you, you are breakfast for the enemy. Am I teaching good? Are you sure? I've explained to you why is it that the Bible says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 that you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost shall come upon you. Yet you are not seeing power in your life. He says you shall receive that power after the Holy Ghost comes. Where's the Holy Ghost? He's in you. So you must see power. You must walk in power. Why are you not walking in power? I explained the technicality with two examples. Now I said to you that before we had this power here, there is a main connection at the dam. Akosumbo Dam. That's the main ha- uh, the parcels. So poles and cables are connected and they come to this region and these poles are also connected into our homes through the blocks. Then we must plug in the device we want to use. Listen, if electricity power is working in this place, and you have a device and you don't plug in no matter the power available without plug in you cannot have that power connection everything here we are seeing and using is powered the believer's life is powered it's powered the good news is that we have the whole dam in our spirit the holy ghost the good news is that there is no spiritual doom so in the Holy Ghost. In God's kingdom, there is no power crisis. The power is always present. But how do we connect? Plugging. As you are reading your Bible, you are plugging in. As you are praying, you are plugging in. As you are fellowship with other believers, you are plugging in. As you sing praises to Jesus, you are plugging in. As you are walking in the spirit, you are plugging in. As you are walking in love, you are plugging in. That's how we plug in to walk in that power. 
Have you forgotten before Jesus healed any sick, he had compassion. That's love. So he plugged in love, he harvested power. Hallelujah. Do you know before you function in the lanty, you need oil in the lanty? Before you move your car, you need fuel in the car. Before you spark, the battery must be functioning. If you don't spark your car for more than six months and your battery is still connected, you're going to run on low battery. And many don't know that it's the same with our spiritual life. The lamp of the Lord is the spirit of man. And there is oil that needs to flow continuously. You don't put oil or kerosene in your lantern and you say, because I've put it inside for the past three days, it will be there eternally. You don't buy fuel 20 gallons cities in your car today and say, because you bought four yesterday, you have eternal fuel. No! You keep refueling. You keep moving the car and sparking it and warming it. You put heat in the car to keep the battery running. Many of us don't spark the engines. Anytime you fail to read your Bible and pray, you didn't spark your engine. Why do you take your car for servicing? Because after using the car for a while, the oil gets dirty. The oil filter gets damaged. The plugs get out dated or weak. So it affects the movement of the car. Why is your spiritual movement slowing down? It's simply because you're not doing service into your spiritual life. Every believer must service his spiritual life. Why do you charge your phone? Why didn't you charge your phone five days ago and say you will not charge your phone again? You charge your phone daily, yet you don't charge your spiritual life. Everything about your life is powered. You charge your laptop, you charge your phone, you charge everything around you, except your spiritual life, you don't charge it. Because we don't know, we don't take responsibility of our spiritual life. We leave everything to God. And when the enemy hits us, we say, God has not loved me. God doesn't care. God has given us his word and he has told us there's a war. He has given us his word and he has told us to grow. He has given us his word and he has told us to pray. If you want to survive as a Christian without prayer, it's impossible. I'm telling you. We keep repeating this. We keep repeating because listen, the devil will have you do everything apart from prayer. I'm telling you, he will have you to do everything apart from prayer. Because when he gets you away from prayer, that's all. What powers the, the word so that God's word becomes alive in your heart is prayer. What connects you to God and makes God's presence real in your life is prayer. What makes you get strength to defeat the devil is prayer. What saturates your depression and fills you with joy is prayer. What empowers you to live a victorious day is prayer. So if the enemy wants to attack you, he must first attack your prayer life. Because that is the engine room of your spiritual life. There are many pastors who are not praying. Many believers who are not praying. Many prayer warriors who are not even praying. And it's the plan of the enemy to weaken the church. Lift up your hands. We're going to do this till Jesus comes. We, we are going to keep awakening the church for them to know about their spiritual weakness and dryness so that we can have a spiritual strong church one more time. Because the enemy is not joking. The enemy doesn't care about our age. He doesn't care whether we were born in a good home or we're not born in a good home. 
He doesn't care about that. All he cares about is to see the distraction of the believer. That's all he cares about. I want you to pray and ask God to, to, to give you the intelligence to be able to detect when you are running dry. Come on, pray. If your prayer life is dead, ask the Lord to help you. Ask the Lord to help you. There are some of you, not only is your prayer life dead, your desire to pray is even gone. Your desire to study the word of God is even gone. It's like everything is dry. You sleep when you take your Bible. You sleep when you are praying. It's like everything about spirituality is, is a boredom for you. It's an attack of the enemy. It's an attack. I want you to talk to Jesus and ask him to help you. And tell him you are going to take responsibility. Because no matter the help he gives to you, if you don't make any effort to grow, it will never happen. No matter the help and empowerment he gives to you. If you don't read your Bible, it will never happen. Tell the Lord that as he helps you, you are going to take every responsibility to be a part of this army. It is difficult to pray. Yes, that's very true. This Christian life is not easy. It is not easy. But if we can trust in him, if we can go to him daily for empowerment, you don't have to feel like praying before you pray. You pray because it is your role for survival. It's your duty as a Christian if you want to survive. Nothing is an excuse. Busy assignment is not an excuse. Your master's is not an excuse. Your PhD is not an excuse. Your workload is not an excuse. No, no, no. Christians must awaken. There is no excuse. Because the devil does not care. He doesn't care. He will make sure he will deplete you. It's the plan of the enemy. He will first attack you by making you run dry. When you run dry, he knows you have nothing left. Then he begins to attack you. Then one problem moves to the other. The other problem moves to the other. That's the plan of the enemy. He has been doing that. And he seems to be succeeding every time because many Christians don't have the spiritual intelligence. They pray for two minutes. They are tired and they stop praying. They read the Bible and they start sleeping. They don't know they have to do everything to stay awake. Then they give up. You give up too easily. You give up too easily. You give up too easily. You are being lazy. It is no stress. It's laziness. Ask the Lord to heal you of laziness. There are some of you is procrastination. You say, I will read tomorrow. You don't read. I will read next week. You don't read. Before you rest at three months, you haven't touched your Bible. You haven't prayed for people. You haven't, you haven't done your spiritual duties. If we want to be relevant and useful in God's kingdom, it first begins with a spiritual nourishment. We have to be nourished. We have to be enriched by the Holy Ghost. I don't care your occupation. I don't care the job you are doing. I don't care how busy your workload is. You still don't have an excuse. Because when we get to heaven, heaven will not ask you about your, your, your degree. 
Heaven will not ask you about the job you are doing. It will ask you about your faithfulness. Irrespective of that job, your faithfulness. Thou good and faithful servant. Your service and your faithfulness. You don't have an excuse. Your children are not an excuse. Your son is not an excuse. Your daughter is not an excuse. Your uncle is not an excuse. Your father is not an excuse. A crowded house is not even an excuse because you can pray on the field. Ask the Lord, ignite, ignite my altar so that I may be able to serve you. Rabadigi basota kiba manda lagige ayasana kibra ti pasta. Oh Jesus, ignite us, ignite our passion one more time. Baluku prana tusataya, keep us on fire, revive us again, revive the prayer life one more time. Our passion for you, let it increase, Lord Jesus. May I not give any excuse again. May I not give any excuse again. Because my power and my empowerment is found in my relationship with Jesus. My relationship with Jesus is the most important thing in my life. Your relationship with Jesus is the most important thing your life the earlier you know this the better you will never trade you will never trade your time with the Lord for lectures you will never trade your time with the Lord for work you will never leave home until you have prayed until you have read your Bible you will never leave home to lectures until you have done the needful you give God your best you give God the first of your time oh yes this is how we live the victorious life. We get ourselves filled with the Holy Ghost constantly. That's how we breathe. That's how we breathe. Paul says, pray without ceasing. Prayer is our breath. That's how we breathe in the spirit. We breathe through prayer. The more you are praying, the more you are breathing. The more you are studying the word, the more you are feeding. You are feeding on him. 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 The devil doesn't want you to breathe. He does not want you to eat spiritually. So he will deny you. He will give you nice excuses why you shouldn't do all these things. But we are smarter now because the wisdom of God has come to us. Jesus said, I counsel thee to buy gold that has been refined. Jesus is giving you counsel. He said, come and buy. Come and pay that price to walk in glory. To walk in the spirit-filled life. Oh, people think spirituality is an embarrassment. Wait until you need Jesus. People think serving Jesus. People think praying makes you look like a pastor. Wait until you are in trouble. Wait until you need help. Wait. 
is how we build our muscles. This is how we build our strength. This is how we go to the spiritual gym to empower ourselves to face life battles. Lord, empower my spiritual life. Charge your battery. Charge your battery. Charge your battery. Charge your engine. Put some heat in your engine. In your spiritual engine. Put some heat there. some fire there. You need some fire. You want to be a good student? Pray. You want to be a good worker? Pray. Pray. You want to work successfully? Pray. You want to be on top of your company? Pray. That was the secret of Daniel. Daniel rose through the ranks by prayer. He rose by prayer. Prayer will give you wisdom that is beyond this world. You begin to solve company problems. As you pray, the wisdom of God will be downloaded in your spirit. You will be a solution to your company. Oh yes. You will be a solution to your family. Your family depends on your prayer. It was the secret of Daniel. The Bible says Daniel rose up and prayed three times a day. He was found ten times better than the magicians and all the house of Nebuchadnezzar. He was found ten times better. It was in his prayer life. Prayer will make you ten times better than your colleagues. It will make you more intelligent. It will make you assimilate your lectures more than any other thing. It will make you a good worker. Yes. It will make you a better banker. You don't commit errors. You don't commit financial errors. When you pray, you saturate yourself. You rob yourself on God. You gain stature in the spirit. You mount up with wings for they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like an eagle. They shall walk and not be weary. They shall run and not be faint. Ah, we run by waiting. We walk by waiting. We fly by waiting. Madoko. That's how we fly in the spirit. We fly by waiting. By waiting in prayer. We run by waiting. We walk. Without prayer, your walk will be full of tiredness and stress. Is your work stressful? Pray. Do you have busy schedules? Pray. Martin Luther said, I have so much to do that I will spend two hours of my day with the Lord. I have so much work that I spend two hours daily with the Lord. That's Martin Luther. John Welch, he said, He said, I consider my day a wasted day if I do not spend seven hours with the Lord. But you can spend 30 minutes with him. It will make a difference. You can spend one hour with him. It will make a difference in your life. 
one hour with Jesus is worth any time spent with any man. Oh Lord, oh Lord, 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 ignite me, ignite me, ignite me, Lord, ignite me, ignite me. I am so cold and lukewarm, Lord, ignite me. I am so dead in my spiritual life, Lord, ignite me. Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Come on, lift your voice and bless him. There's some of you, something has been awakened. Yeah. Yeah. Something has entered your life. Don't dissipate it. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. Go and build upon it. God has just rekindled something in your spirit. Go and build upon it. Don't quench the spirit anymore. Don't quench it. Don't quench it. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. 